So I've definitely been told switching my hair from braids to having sewing being told like, oh, you look so much more elegant. You look so much more refined now, which is like a direct quote. girls welcome back to the girl we grow now podcast i am your host victoria and i am super excited because today i have my really good friend Brittany on the podcast so i was in houston a couple of months ago and we were in her kitchen literally just having a conversation about how it is to navigate corporate america as a woman of color and i told her we must bring this conversation to the podcast so i'm so glad that my friends are amazing and they will literally just come on the podcast with me but i think that this is a conversation that's really important to have on the podcast and i just really hope that it helps other women of color just have these conversations in their friend group and i'm excited that you guys get to tune in to a little bit of girl chat like this is real deal girl chat that i have with my friends in real life so i think that i'm going to periodically well assuming that i can convince multiple of my friends to come on i think i am going to start doing a little girl chat series and have different friends on or even maybe just women that I meet when I'm out traveling, but I don't know. You guys have to let me know what you guys think of that concept, but yeah, I think it would be really great to have a little girl chat every once in a while here on the pod. So as I was saying, we talked about navigating corporate America as a woman of color. We get into some experiences that Brittany has experienced and just different microaggressions that a lot of times black women do deal with in the workplace and we also talked about some of the messiest workplace drama she has ever seen at one of the companies she's worked at and we even talk a little bit about workplace romances so we talk about a lot of different things in this conversation and i think you guys will really enjoy it so with that being said let's go ahead and get into girl chat with Brittany. so i'm so excited to have you on as you know when i was visiting we were just talking about different workplace things we've both have experienced and I feel like you have experienced some wild things. <laughs> I definitely have. I, I definitely have. I'm excited to talk about the conversation. I feel like we just we just touched on the surface. I know. I was like, we have to save this because you're coming on the podcast. So I'm so happy you agreed to come on. Me too. <laughs> okay. So I always ask my guests a little icebreaker question. What is the best life advice you've ever gotten that you still apply today? Ooh, that's a really, really good one. I think the best life advice I've gotten that's helped me through like everything has been, I'm sure my dad repurposed this, but just that you're just supposed to run your own race. So when horses run races, they have blinders on, you know, when they're running in the derby, they can't see the other horses. Like they're just running, they're just running to win. And so comparison can be the breakdown of progress, you know? So I think that's been important to me, even watching friends get married or get new careers, new jobs. It's not comparing myself. It's just running my own race. And I think that's that's all there is. I love that. Okay. Father coming in with the bomb advice, but that's so true. Especially I feel like with social media, it's so easy to look at what everyone else is doing and feel left behind. But we all have our own course. And when it's our time, it's our time. Exactly. It's so true. And I think it's fun people share their highlights, but that's not the full story. Exactly. Okay. So I'm so excited for us to dive into the messiest workplace drama you've ever seen. At your Let's workplace. get messy. Because I feel like my workplace is they're so boring and I don't really get to see the mess. So tell us about the messiest drama you've experienced at a workplace. All right. So I'm going to drop in with like the messiest and it's messy because it involves a lot of discrimination or microaggressions that people are more aware of now, you know, after Black Lives Matter and that kind of thing. I think people are more aware corporately in these corporate spaces that these things are happening. But I will say during this time, it was kind of not the talk of the town. So I felt like I was kind of experiencing a lot of it by myself, but craziest workplace. When did this happen? Like what so let me let me go back. So this had to have happened, I'm going to say six years ago, okay. maybe yeah, six, six or seven years ago. It was one of my first jobs out of graduate school. So I had worked before, but it was my, I was working at an advertising agency. And if you've never worked at an advertising agency, I give the advice now to people in their college or they want to go in marketing or design or anything like that. Work at an advertising agency for one to three years. It'll be the most intense, fast-paced years of your life, but you will leave knowing everything that you need to know. So just to set the stage, like that's just what these what agencies are like. And um, 
these bigger agencies down here in Houston where I live are like this. So I was at this advertising agency. Yeah, it was about six years ago. I had been at this company for about, at this point when this happened, I had been at this company for maybe four or five years. So I had been there for a while and I'm not trying to, to brag on myself, but let me set the scene that even at this time when the situation went down, the year before I had just won employee of the year. So I, yeah, so whenever I work somewhere, I don't take it lightly. I do put like my heart and soul into where I'm working. It's hard for me to do things halfway. So I always try and do my best. So at that point, I know I had felt like a very valuable employee. I felt like I value working here. They value me. They respect me. And so I'm trying to think where I was in my career at this point, because I got quite a few promotions there. But I believe I was like the the, the co-head of a department, like our, our boss in the department had left and me and somebody else were leading it kind of while they were figuring out what to do. So there was a new, her name, well, should I give her an alias? <laughs> You can't, or if it's a common name, I mean, we're not going to know her. You know? Okay, I'll give her her, okay, I'll, let's call her Janet. Okay. She seemed like a Janet. So Janet came and she she became very close with the owners of the company very quickly. So she was kind of a yes woman. I mean, she kind of would say yes to everything. And I think that's one of the ways to rise really quickly within companies if you'll kind of just do whatever. But in my mind, she was a bit of a yes woman. I would kind of see her doing things or that kind of felt a little questionable to me, but I was in a different department. I honestly didn't have to interact with her a lot until she started kind of moving up. And she eventually became the head of one of the departments. So, I mean, we I didn't have any beef with her at the time. I, we just kind of operated in our own circles and we were cordial. But when she became the head of the department, I had to interact with her quite a bit more. And she was a uh, very, very high strong, very, I mean, she, she had a good work ethic, but she was just very to the point with a lot of things. And yeah, so I remembered and she liked things the way that she liked them. So so the whole situation occurred. I remember we were working on a project together. It was one of the first projects we were working on together with a newer client. So it was um, a big deal. It was a client in the banking industry. So we really had to be on target with a lot of this. They had a lot of branches nationally and we really wanted to expand the partnership. So we were having kind of a kickoff meeting for this company. And at this time, I worked on several accounts, a lot of accounts. And so, and I worked very late all the time and very early all the time. So I remember working, she had set up a meeting, a kickoff meeting for this company and she set the meeting for, it was like, I don't know, like a, a Wednesday at like 8 a.m., right? Well, our hours at the company at that time didn't start until 9 a.m. But why is she setting an 8 a.m. meeting? I have no idea. She said an 8 a.m. meeting, the, literally the company that opened till nine. Also, I will say this, this is one of these rare days where I had left the office early. Like there was something I had to do. So I left the office at like three or 4 p.m. And she sent out an invite to this 8 a.m. meeting the day before at like, I don't know, it was like 6 p.m. Kind of something really strange. The whole situation was strange. Yeah. I left a lot of room for like mistake and misinterpretation. So anyway, ironically, even though I did not see the meeting invite, I came to the office early, just like kind of to work on some other things. So I wasn't like necessarily online, but I was just kind of doing like just other things that need to be done for clients at the office. My office was kind of in this back space. So she had to walk past the way the office was set up was a giant circle. So she walked in and she had to walk past me to get to her desk and the meeting room we were meeting in. So she walked past me and she saw I was there. Anyway, regardless, I didn't log on until nine o'clock and I log on and I see but like I missed this meeting like this big meeting this kickoff meeting it's really important meeting and I was like oh wow like I completely didn't see that I had no idea so I see that the invite but then I look into my my inbox and I see an email from her she's emailed me and she has copied she's copied like the co-manager of my department she's copied the head of the company she's copied the CFO of the company all these people on the email and sent me an email reprimanding me and that I missed that meeting that I didn't think it was important that I needed to reevaluate my priorities and that it was unacceptable that I did not attend. I had to sit for a second and because she did not have this energy in real life, Victoria. This energy, she didn't. And I think we all know it works like those, the key, I mean, the keyboard warriors in general, but they're people who have this heat in their team's chats or their chats in general or their emails that they would never really bring to you in person. Like they're just a little bolder behind. So I was, I was in shock. Yeah. So she chose violence. Like she chose she violence. Literally walked to your office and be like, Hey, Brittany, we're starting the meeting. I don't know if you saw the invite. I sent it late. I mean, hello. I, I think it completely, it felt strange because everyone else who was needed to be in that meeting was in that meeting. And another person who's in that meeting had told me that she'd even like ping them, right? Like ping them in like, Hey, like the meeting, right? So she's like, no, notifying other it was in my mind I felt not to but it, it was a bit of a setup so I was just to me I'm thinking common sense well why didn't she just walk five yards to go see if I was in my office why didn't she send me a chat she could have called my phone there was just a lot of options a lot of steps to take before sending an email that was copying the owner of the company and the C and the, you know there's just like like whoa zero to a hundred 
So I just felt like there was something deeper there. And to be honest, I felt like there had been some things, some underlying things building. And I thought, and I did, you know, I, I said the quote from my dad, the example of my dad has been in corporate America for years. He used to run the largest Procter & Gamble plant in the United States. Like he's very, he, he knows all things corporate. So the first thing I did before reacting was to call my dad because I thought, I want, I, how do I handle this in like a, an acceptable way since there's so many important people mm-hmm. being copied on this and I'm being questioned, my character's being questioned, just everything. He just said like, take a beat. He was saying, these kind of things can sometimes be better done in person. I would suggest meeting with them with HR, taking someone that you feel comfortable with, allowing them to have someone in like sorting this out because he's saying you don't want bad blood if this is a company that you want to be at for a long time. Just sort this out. Don't let it become a long email chain. Just deal with it. And I thought, okay, sound advice. Good advice. Yeah. Yeah. Great advice. So I contacted HR at this company, which I think this is a whole other podcast. But a lot of times HR can be more for representing the company. They're more to protect the company than they can be to protect employees. So, you know, it's it's something to utilize at the same time. I think you have to be careful about it, too. So we ended up having a meeting. She kind of waived the right to have anyone come with her and have HR. She's like, oh, we can just meet. And I said, well, I didn't feel comfortable with that because it becomes he said, she said type thing. So I said, well, I'm still going to bring my co-lead of the department. I would like him to be there just to kind of see everything that's happening. And man, am I extremely grateful that I made the decision to have him come sit down in this meeting with me because we got in the meeting. And I will say this. I will say say as the meeting was approaching and I was just really thinking about it, it was making me really upset like that she had done this. And I was doing that thing you do when you rack your brain trying to understand other people's decisions, but you're really never going to, I mean, you can make a story all you want to, but you're not going to know why someone, you know, is the way they were. So you, you talk to them about it. So I remember we sat down, you know, in this meeting and I just remember thinking, as a Black woman, I feel like we have to, to just take it sometimes. You grit and bear it because we have to be, you know, agreeable and reasonable. And I just remember my heart feeling like, I'm not going to do this. I'm actually not going to let this be okay that she kind of, I really want an answer. I want an answer from her as to why. I want to leave this meeting understanding why and have a plan in place to move forward and not have this happen again. And we're approaching the meeting and she was so, hi, good morning. Like she was the complete opposite of the of the energy from the this email like very bubbly, very, yeah, trying to sweep it under. And I remember thinking, I'm not going to do it this time. So I remember sitting down this meeting and saying, good morning, Janet. And, you know, just kind of looking at her. And I said, okay, well, let's start off. You sent me this email and, you know, you called me disrespectful. You said I wasted everybody's time. You said it was unacceptable. I just kind of want to run through all of the things you said and just find the correlation, find the connection, not just between you and this one situation, but I would like you to unveil a pattern to me that shows where this is in my work ethic, in my character. She was extremely caught off guard that that's how I started the conversation. The energy was right. Good. She needed that direct energy. Oh, she did. And I'm wondering, her shock was over to the point I thought, has anyone ever made you kind of answer to like the things that you do? Probably um, not. That's the problem. Very doubtful. Uh, so she was like, well, it was just important. And I just was asking her simple questions. So I said, well, did you, the meeting was about to begin. I wasn't there. Did you call me? Did you text me? Did you send me a message? Did you send me an email? Did you walk to my... No, no, no. So I said, well, then what time did you set the meeting the night before? Oh, it was after work hours. What time did the meeting start? Oh, before work hours. And some of her responses, I think her grasping at straws like, oh, well, everybody else is at the meeting. And I said, well, that's great. Did you send anybody else a reminder? Silence. So it's becoming more and more. I'm just thinking, did she want to make a point? I mean, it was just, I just getting no answers. And so here's what happens. We get to the point and it goes without saying, you know, Janet is, well, Janet's white. So it gets to the point where I'm really grilling her and then she starts crying crying oh, like gosh. so and I think this is to try and wrap it up she's crying she's like well I just you know this is a lot and, and I'm not you falling made it for a it lot, Janet you made it what it is so you need to be able to answer to it you escalated the situation right. and I really think that she thought when she start started crying that I was going to back down that I but to be honest the tears made me angry because I thought is that this is how you think you're going to get out this is not happening. So, you know, she started crying and I kind of said, well, can you continue the conversation? Do you need to take a break? Kind of what do you need? And she she just couldn't, she just couldn't really communicate, didn't really have anything else to say. And my co-leader at the time was like, well, maybe we just kind of can, you know, and I feel like he was kind of leaning, like the tears were affecting him, right? He's now feeling bad for her. When the reality of the situation is I was the one who was attacked via email and copied. And I was the one who felt kind of hurt, whose reputation had been smeared everywhere. But she was the one sitting here crying. It was, it was truly wild to me, like weaponized tears, to be honest. So I think she wanted the conversation to be over. And I don't think she wanted to be held accountable for anything anymore. 
So, so yeah, I, I, you know, and I think I, I, I said my piece. I did say like a couple more, th- you know, a couple more things. I just, and maybe there was some advice that I gave her out of my anger that she didn't need. I did still keep it professional, but I just never saying, you know, I think maybe you should focus more on your own department, focus more on the people in your department and focus your efforts kind of where they're needed. Because from this conversation, I don't really see any legitimate feedback that you can give me. She was silent. And it's interesting because later on, she ended up using that I gave her that feedback against me saying that I attacked her, which is why I'm grateful I had like my co-leader of the department in there with me. But but yeah, I mean, it was it was absolutely wild. And so then she ended up leaving the meeting. Um, I follow up with her through email. I follow up with HR as well. But then so it was kind of awkward. So maybe a week or two went by and HR said they were going to jump in and resolve it. Nothing ever really happened. And we're just kind of moving forward. But it just felt like this really big unresolved situation in my workplace that no one really wanted to touch. So time kind of went on. And then I remember this very clearly. I had always been on great terms with the owner of the company. And I just remember my co-leader he kind of pulled me aside and he said, you know what? I was in a meeting for another client thing and um, the owner of the company, she said something offhandedly towards the end to me and somebody else. He's saying it rubbed me the wrong way. So I'm coming to talk to you about it. And we, we were really great friends. We had each other's back. I appreciated him so much. That's and he really said to me- to have someone in your corner. It really is. And he was, yeah- this man, he was a great, he was like a feminist through and through. He was, he was just a lovely person. And so I think that's always important too in workplaces, like when you're reading people's energy to really do connect with like those people who, who, you know, like right is right and wrong is wrong. I always trusted him to give me direct feedback in the same thing. So it wasn't about like who his friends were. It was just about what's right and what's wrong. And I, I really appreciate those people. And so, cause same situation, the owner of the company said this to him, he thought, I don't care who she is. That was wrong. So I'm going to go talk to her about this. And the comment that was said to me was, well, you know, Hillary told us, Brittany just has anger issues. No, she didn't. Yes. Said something offhandedly to a couple people about my anger issues. Because you called her out and tried to hold her accountable for her action. So you're angry. Exactly. This is what makes me mad. Now, when I tell you, and I was one of, I think during my time there, I think it was there for four or five years, I maybe saw one or two other Black women the entire time there. But when I tell you that there used to be some white women who would walk around that office, say whatever they wanted to people, talk to people crazy. I mean, at the time, like the VP was known for being this extraordinarily brash, rude woman. Like she was, but she was great at her job. So there's kind of this underlying, but there was other women like that too. I almost think in some senses, this aggressive nature was valued in this company, I guess only with certain people of like getting things done. So I'm thinking, wow, this is really interesting. I am being told that I have anger issues. I wonder, like, none of it, no one else in here has anger issues, right? It's it's just me. So then it becomes clear to me, and I think all Black women know, and Black people know this feeling if you know that there's this underlying tone. Like, you know there's a reason something's being said about you. So when the VP of marketing runs into a meeting and comes at everybody, it's okay. She's being passionate. But when I do it, I have anger issues. And I was like, it's because I'm Black. And um, I went to one of the only other, and I didn't, act, I just explained the situation. I didn't say any kind of details about how I was feeling that it was, it had a racial stem to it. And I told, you know, her the situation. It took her two seconds as another black woman. She goes, oh, they said that because you're black. That's a race thing. Like why they wouldn't say that about anybody else around here. Anger issues. And she, I think people that know my demeanor, specifically my professional demeanor, like that's just certainly not the case. Like I just don't, I don't act like that. I I just like never had. So after that hit me, and I think that was the first time in my life where I feel like I was faced like truly head on with a situation like that in like a work setting. And it knocked the wind out of me. I mean, it it was so upsetting. I It affected my soul, you know, because I felt like, man, I work hard. I work countless hours. I, I say yes to everything. I thought, it just really doesn't matter what I do. Like, that was the time I thought, wow, like, I pushed and fought so hard to be like this person. But at the end of the day, sometimes, like, people don't see that. They just kind of, they just see the color of your skin. So I thought, wow, I'm the employee of the earth, anger issues, huh? Like, I did everything for all these clients and jumped through hoops for, you know, the entire company. But this is how I'm spoken about, you know, behind closed doors. So I went home. It, it just deeply affected me. I went and spoke to my husband and I said, I told him the situation and my husband is amazing. A1, you know, Victoria. So yes, yes, he, really is. he was like, well, then leave. He was a hundred percent behind. He was like, you're too amazing. He was like, you'll have another job in a heartbeat. Just leave. Like you don't have to stay there without any explanation. Just gave them my two weeks. 
Did they ask you any questions? Oh, oh yes, Victoria. <laughs> I sent them that two weeks. The owner of the company about sprinted over to me, like sprinted. Where was that sprint she, when old girl was acting a mess? Thank you. She was so, and I said, you know, my mind's kind of made up. She said, please, 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 let's just have a meeting. Let's have a meeting. Let's talk about this. We can resolve any issues you have. You can't leave. So I'm like, okay, cool. So we went and we had a meeting. I met with them and I explained the whole situation. I mean, I didn't throw my co-department lead under the bus, but I just said, this situation happened. I heard that this was being said about me. The situation happened and nobody said, you know, nobody stood up for me. Nobody said anything. Nobody spoke on it. Like nothing like that. And so like, it's just, I feel like this is my time to go. Like this is my time to leave. And they, one, begged me to stay. They said, if you stay, Brittany, this is how badly they needed me. If you stay, they gave me a, a bonus, but like a plush bonus. They gave me four weeks of free PTO, like paid PTO to just leave and clear my head and be okay and come back. I made all these other demands. They did everything like that to get me to stay. We'll clear this over. This is unacceptable. You know, all of a sudden, like this is what took them taking action. Me saying, I'm out, I'm leaving, nothing until then. So, you know, I did end up staying. It was a mistake, probably six months more. And then I left to a much better situation. But but yeah, I just, those kind of things, like you can't really move on because they're just, they just sit in your soul. Exactly. And I'm sure Janet was side-eyeing you too, still, or like felt some, I don't know, maybe she wasn't, but you know, she has some underlying feelings. She definitely did. And I promise you, even after all of this, which is a sad story, but I did try to be the bigger person and I did try to squash the beef because I wanted to try and make it work at this company. I thought I'm going to be here. She's going to be here. I don't have to be friends with her, but I do need to make sure on a respect level that we're good, that we can function, that we can move forward, that this isn't going to happen again, and then we can move forward from here. So we did have that conversation. There was still something in the mix between us. We could operate to the best way, but it just wasn't going to, I just felt uncomfortable from that point on. So it it just wasn't going to work out. Yeah. I mean, that makes a lot of sense. I do feel like for Black women, so much is expected of us and we don't get a lot in return. So it's like you literally had to put in a notice to leave and they knew that was going to affect their bottom line, which is the only reason exactly. they cared. So they were willing to give you whatever you want. But in that situation, like if they cared, they would have. she would have sprinted to your office immediately and it would have been squashed and resolved immediately. Oh, yeah. It's just they only care about their bottom line. And it's sad and unfortunate that they'll exactly. let you they'll let you be mistreated, even though they knew how valuable you were. They still did not care until you put your two weeks in. So for me, that's just wild. And it says a lot about the company. Oh, it does 100%. I've opened my eyes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I can only imagine. So there's this lady, she helps black women with their careers. And she said something like corporate America is like, an F-boy, just like how F-boys, like they'll commit and a few months later, they'll kind of be like, whatever. It's like the same with corporate. So say they like promise you something, they'll give it to you in that moment. You'll get it for a few months. And then as soon as a few months pass, it'll be like, whatever. And things will go back to normal. You'll go That's back exactly to that little, what happened. Yeah. I said I would stay. They said there are going to be all these changes and it felt good for a little bit, but then they dropped off. Like they total F-boy, like dropped off on all their promises. It was kind of like, well, get to it. So that's why I feel like whenever it comes to these things, I always tell people, do what's best for you. If you want to give them a chance, fine, give them a chance. But if they prove you once that you gave them a chance and then things don't really change, like they said it would, don't keep giving them chances. Give them one if you want, but then the second time, get that job offer and bounce because they've shown and you who they are. They 100% have. And it, that whole situation at the time was really overwhelming and so it took a lot out of me. But I'm, I am grateful because I that's not going to happen to me again. So like that lesson learned, you know? Yeah, I can see that. And just when you mentioned how Janet, how she kind of just worked her way, well, not as they worked her way up, but she smoothed her way up because she got really close with the owners and everyone really fast. So I don't know if you've heard of the, I think it's called the pie of success model. What's that? Okay, so it's... Three components. So performance, your performance is 10% of the pie. And then your image is 30% of the pie. And then exposure is 60%. So people like her, when you get really close to the owners, the CEOs, and those people, you are going to easily move up because you have that exposure and you've buddied, buddied up so much that these people are going to champion for you whenever it comes time for promotion. So to me, it's wild that literally your performance is only 10%. You could be the hardest working person in the company. It does not matter if you don't 
don't have the exposure. That is a hundred percent true. I would. That's so. Do you just explain that? But like, you've just put into work. Yeah, exactly what it feels like when you are like in corporate, working your way up. Because it's hundred percent true. Because this girl Janet and the owner of the company would go work out together. So how am I? No matter how hard I'm working, how am I going to beat the conversations behind closed doors if she has like that intense kind of exposure to her? So yeah, that's that's a hundred percent true. That was like pillow talk. You can't beat pillow talk. Like I'm just you know your exposure to those people. It's a lot of it. And again, it doesn't matter even when people are like, oh, like I'm not going to be biased. I'm going to promote who deserves it. No, we are humans. We all come with biases. So you're going to promote the person who like their work is okay. But if you really like them, you're going to be more likely to promote them because you probably want to work closer to them. You want them to be doing better. So when y'all do go out together, y'all both can have that same lifestyle because y'all splurge in together. But it's just, it really is about playing the game. Like that's something my boss had to talk to me about because I don't like feeling like I have to buddy buddy and like kiss up to people that I just they're not people I really want to talk to I just have to because we work together (laughs) like we had this other department and man I tell you I did not really care for those girls and she's like well you know they're a team they like the fluffy stuff they like to you know have conversations before the meeting about hey how are you they want you to have your camera on and it's like I don't want to talk to them to be honest tell me what you need because I know it's coming and let me get it done and let's move on but like you have to do that, which is really it's hard such for a me, big part but... of it. It's really hard for me too, because I am naturally introverted, and I. It's also sad too because corporate America. It's just not set up for people who are introverted. Extroverted people succeed. Someone can, like you're saying, do 10% of the work because they're extremely extroverted or their performance can be blasé. But if they can pull people in and have these conversations, they're just valued in that way. And it's difficult because as an introverted person, for me, you know, my energy is taken from me all day long. No, I don't gain energy. So honestly, by the end of the morning, I can feel completely drained from saying good morning to 10 people, having kind of like those side conversations while you're getting your coffee, which is all part of it. But as an introverted person, that means I have to sit down at my desk at 9.30 a.m. I'm drained and I still have like four or five meetings to go. So it's just so much that goes into it. It really is. So I'm extroverted, but I'm very much so. If I want to talk to you, I'm going to talk to you. If I don't, I won't. And I don't know. I think maybe that's a little (laughs) bit of a flaw, especially in corporate America, which I think it's so funny because I'll tell my manager stuff and she'll be like, oh, you're so extroverted. You just go out and meet random people. And then she's like, I know you're extroverted. So just like talk to these people. I'm like, so do it here. I'm like, I don't really want to talk to them though. Like I'm one of those people like if I don't want to talk to you, it's hard because you've already. So I guess the reason I should give backstory, like I'm not just like, oh, I don't want to talk to them. But when I first started, I was new. So I was taking over all of non-food, which now we have, I want to say three planners for. So I was doing that by myself. So obviously I'm busy, like things aren't going to, you can't snap your fingers and I'm not going to be able to give you everything right away. So they literally would like complain to their manager instead of just being like, hey, Victoria, like when can you get this to me? They just go complain to their manager, have like their manager complain to my mine. And luckily me and my manager would meet all the time. So she knew exactly what I had on my plate. She knew what I was doing. And then she'd be like, okay, well, did she tell her like when she needed it by? Because if she didn't tell her, she's not going to prioritize it because she has a lot on her plate. And it's just like these little things. They'd always, it's like they were afraid to talk to me. And so they would just go complain and make me look bad. So it's like, why do you think I want to ask you about your weekend and you're over here trying to make me look bad? (laughs) Like, I don't care. Let's be honest. What energy? Why not just talk to you? They're literally putting bad energy into the space for no reason. I, I I've never understood that. It's a simple conversation. I know, but I think it's, it reminds me of the image part of the pie. It's like if I show up and I'm just very matter of fact, I'm not like, oh, hey, Jessica, how are you? Like, what's up? How was your weekend? Then that's going to affect the way that they see me at work. And now it's like, oh, you're not approachable because you're just not super excited and smiling all the time and your camera's not on and you're not just ready to go. And I'm like, y'all. And I feel like that is kind of another thing as black women. We have, we have to, as this one lady said, show our teeth. Like we have to put that extra and be like really excited to come to work even you know maybe we're just not it's a rough morning but we have to fake it if not people are like oh like I don't know what's up with her she just isn't approachable that is so true as like, yeah as black woman I mean like you know we all could have like our RBF our resting face you know what I mean but it's kind of like for some reason it can be heightened to a different level yeah I've definitely been called unapproachable or like oh you look smile more you look you look angry you know at work and I'm like I'm just working <laughs> that's yeah. all that's all that I'm doing but the thing is I feel like all of us can have that RBF and like not really be smiling 
Miley, but I feel like when it comes to us, it, it's noticed to a different level. I've even noticed this in some of my non like black friendship. If I don't come into like, we could be talking at 10 at night. And if I don't come into the conversation all peppy, they'll be like, oh my gosh, like is something wrong? Are you okay? I'm good. I just had a long day and I'm just like real chill. It's a very, yes, at 8am, I'm a morning person and I might have had some coffee. So I'm going to be super energetic, super talkative. If I'm out doing something fun around a whole bunch of people, I'm going to get that energy because I'm extroverted. But at 10 p.m. at night, after a long day of work, I'm probably going to be really chill and it has nothing to do with you. I'm not mad. I'm just chill. And I think that should be okay. But (laughs) I've just had some friendships where it just wasn't because they expected me to be on 10 all the time. And I thought that was just wild. Yeah. Yeah. I can't do it. That's why we're such good friends. Exactly. It's like I, especially in friendships, like I want to be able to show up as myself and it be okay. But yeah, it's just something I've just noticed with the way that I have to show up sometimes. For it's exhausting. Like, it's how it is. Exhausting. It's like sometimes it's black. You just give and give and give, you know, and it's just, it's, it's a lot. It's like, I'm exhausted. This is who I am. You know, take it or leave it. Exactly. And it's just, it is challenging. And I feel like a lot of people will try to diminish it and be like, oh, well, it's not because you're a black woman, but it is though. It you is. do have to walk through the world a little bit differently. And it's just our reality, unfortunately. It is. It's, it sadly is. And I, you know, as time goes on, I feel like it's nice the people in your inner circle, you know, who aren't black, I think taking the beat to understand or not have to explain, you know, I think that gets so tiring, but just having people who get it like at this point in life is like so helpful. So you're not, you know, repeat the cycle. It really is. So I was reading this article and it talked about how a lot of black women, I want to say, did it start 2020? Maybe it started during COVID, but a lot of black women in corporate America have started to leave corporate and start their own businesses just because of like the microaggressions we talked about and just having to feel like you have to work twice as hard. I know this company I worked for, I was so busy. I was literally doing the job of two people. So I was over it and I found a new job. Tell me why they literally were like, oh, we're going to have to hire two people. But you oh, were so of course. okay with working me to the bone. The only black girl in the department, like, come on. And this other girl, um, she was a white woman. She's like, oh no, I'm not doing all that work. We are going to have to hire two people. So what they do? Hire two people. Which Wow. Unbelievable. Right? But you guys, Unbelievable. Like, oh, why would you want to leave? Well, why would I want to stay? <laughs> you know? Did you yeah. ever tell them about the workload and ask them like to, to, that you needed help? And Yeah, they knew. And they, because even when I was leaving, like this one girl was taking it over, but she was like, oh, this is too much. So they like had me like training some other guy too. Even when I was leaving, they had me doing the utmost. And I was like, y'all are lucky that I have a work ethic and integrity to where I'm okay doing this. But like, you know, I only got two weeks and I really could just be like, nah, y'all figure it out. See, sometimes that work ethic could be a curse when when companies know that you are going to always do things and do it right. It's just, oh my goodness, it's too much. It really is. But I just feel like we have to, like how else are we going to, I guess it's the exposure thing, but it's like one of the ways that we, I feel like have to do it to climb the corporate ladder if you want to yeah, do that. We do. It's it's sad. It's so sad, but it's yeah. like, you have to, it always makes me think of like the episode with Olivia Pope and her dad, where you have to be twice as good you know like twice as good to go you know half the amount of mileage in corporate but sound but true it really is like if we even like i don't even want to bring into this but let's think about michelle obama how she had to carry herself compared to some of the other first ladies she got so much flack and she carried herself so much like she is my queen right so i'm just like that is just like a prime example of what we have to do you know such a great example we yeah you can't even no mistakes no slip-ups it's kind of like yeah yeah, you've got to be on the straight and narrow to be you know it's sad So I know you have mentioned some other juicy workplace drama that you had. It's a little bit more lighthearted, but tell me about the story with the girl at work who, when you told me this, I was like, wow, this is like a lifetime high school drama. I was like, what is even happening? So there... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> there, there is so much juicy drama. So I'm gonna go like roll over into the um like the microaggressions because they <laughs> just like never ending. And so this has happened at my my current job, but it's also happened like at my past job too. So, but I think this is a big part too. It, it seems so small, but it's so big to us as Black women. You know, it's our hair, like our hair in corporate America, right? So like obviously the hair that comes out of our head. For me, I have four C hair, a big afro. It's it's you know I love my hair. Do you ever wear um, afro you, to work? I have not. 
at this job, but in at my previous job, because this job, my current job can kind of like run me to the boat. Can, it's difficult for me to build in my my wash days. And I'm also, I know I love my natural hair. I, I'm not great at pulling it together. So and I'm, I'm very aware lot. of that. It's a lot of work. It's so much, but definitely, yeah. And like several like corporate jobs in the past, like 100% I've worn my natural hair and 100% I've always got comments and had people ask to touch it and that had to have- peeve. Don't put your little dirty hands in my hair. Like I have that. no idea. And people don't even understand how offensive it is. And it's just, you know, because I'm like, has anyone, it's not a petting zoo. No, you may not, you know, touch, touch my hair. And it's, it's so wild to even think that you know, another grown person would walk up to you and and even touch your hair like that. It feels very violating what happens in the moment. But definitely in the past, I've gone, you know, because I'll wear braids. I'll wear, I've worn, you know, my natural hair. I've, wear, I've worn sewn-ins. I've worn my hair straightened. You know, as black women, we're always changing our hair. And I think it's, it's really fun. It's something to be, I love to do it, but I think it can also become a source of anxiety before walking into an office knowing like your hair is different or the length is different or the color is different and knowing that there's going to be a million comments about it, like that you unprompted comments that you did not ask for like again and again and again kind of meeting after meeting after meeting so you know I've definitely gone from you know been wearing braids before um in the past and switched to <laughs> switch to wearing like a sew-in or wearing weave and I've been told so many comments but you know I've been told you know oh this looks much better on you it's much better suited on you talking about like, did and you it's ask not much for their opinion I have never asked for an opinion like one and then two you know nor do I care about your opinion and then also, thank you. I don't appreciate someone telling me that someone else's hair is like what looks better on me. That's absolutely not true at all. It's just a protective style, but I don't feel that's none of their business. It's not my job to teach them about black hair and what that means and why I changed my hair and why it's so important. I think I used to try and do that in the past, like past like jobs that I've had, try to kind of explain that to kind of ease the burden on me of like, well, my hair is going to change and I feel like they need to know this. So I don't get the questions, but I no longer do that. I mean, you, it's not, it's none of your business. So you can give me a comment on it and I'll likely just kind of acknowledge it and move on with my day. I can't let that, I don't want it to be larger than that or let it kind of affect anything else. But definitely been told switching my hair from braids to having sew-in being told like, oh, you look so much more elegant. You look so much more refined now, Girl, which is like a direct quote. God knows that you can handle that because the way my mouth is set up and the way I would have reverted back, that would have said something so mean. It would not have been okay. You know, I my response was, well, I like I like my hair both ways. Thank you. Like, you know, I just, Love oh my gosh. So I, yeah, just like go you because girl, no. It's a lot. And even when I had my job now, I, I was wearing braids probably for the past like eight months. And um, to keep it fun, you know, I do like blonde hair, brown hair, black hair. And, you know, I would get kind of those little comments about like switching my hair up or people, you know, missing. Oh, I miss, I miss when your hair was straight. And I'm like, why do they miss? think you care? Like, I would be like, hello, we are not friends. So I need you to remember that the next time you fix your mouth to tell me what you like. If I want to know, I'll ask. Girl. It's it's bizarre. It, you know, and I had really racked my brain as to why people feel the need to, like, offer their opinion. I, I mean... And like, it's, it's kind of like that before where I have to let go of knowing what's going through people's head and just know what I think and move forward because I don't get it. But I, I will say, yeah, every time I change my hair, I get such anxiety the day before I have to go into the office or the day before I have to have Zoom because I kind of know like that's what the conversation is going to be about. And it's really the, com the questions that come along with it are uncomfortable. Like, oh, you know, did you cut your hair or how did your hair get longer or how did you color? Your and it's just like these questions. And I'm like, you just wouldn't do this to another white coworker. Like no one's grilling any other other white women about like the details of their hair or anything like that. So why is it okay to do that to me, you know, or even like on meetings, virtual meetings or meetings where there's a whole bunch of people like that makes it super uncomfortable. Now there's even more people kind of looking and analyzing like at what I'm doing. And I'm like, what does it have to do with my work performance at all? Like nothing. I don't nothing. Exactly. And if you were to call them out or put them in their place, like I just said, and then you would be again back to angry and aggressive. So it's like, it's a lose lose situation. So I've had it's people comment on my hair and I don't think to the magnitude that you've had but I know when I worked at this company I worked with a lot of older white men so they'd be like I used to always wear my hair in these like high like two big buns like on top of my head it was like my favorite hairstyle but they would always comment on it they're like oh my gosh you look like Minnie Mouse and oh it just makes you look oh so gosh. young and it's like and I hope I look so young that Didn't you're not asking to me like please 
okay. So, you know, and I'm just like, and I would literally just wear it more. And I remember I also would wear my hair in two braids with the hair added in. And this one guy was like commenting on it. And like, again, I would just look at them. Who asked you? Just, that's what I do now. I'm like, if I feel uncomfortable, you're going to feel uncomfortable too. Because I think we've all know how we go through life sometimes working to make other people feel comfortable as a black woman because situations get awkward. But this stage in my life, I'm like, let's, it'll just be comfortable, uncomfortable for all of us. So, you know, I think it's important to take a beat and like let the uncomfortableness marinate so that it doesn't happen again. Like, yeah, this isn't comfortable, isn't it? So let's think about it before we, before we say something. I agree because there's so many things I could say about you, but I won't because they're not useful and they're not nice. So I suggest like you just leave me alone. I feel like we just literally go to work, try to do our job. And it's like that is outside of our job. So why are you asking that? That goes into personal. And this is like, you know what I'm saying? It's like audacity that people have to even ask questions like that to make comments like that is so weird. Because like if we commented on how oh, we don't like that outfit. Like I prefer the outfit you wore yesterday or mm, that outfit makes you look kind of large. You look like more slim. And the other one, people would have a fit. They'd be at HR. So it's like, to me, it's the same thing. Leave my hair alone. It is the same thing. And and you know, to be honest, in the past, I have thought about saying something to HR. And this has been, re- yeah. this has been recent. But then there's this other layer, right? Where now, you know, your HR department is majority white. You go having to go and have this conversation. It's just another conversation of someone who's, you know, there's a barrier there is not going to understand like this is cultural barrier of do you know why this makes me feel so uncomfortable as a black woman and this is how black hair works and this is you know different protective styles and why we change our hair and there's just so many different factors that go into it that now I have to explain to someone who's white in HR which is this other layer of uncomfortability that other the white people kind of don't have to deal with that work as well having that connection to be able to talk about those problems and understand why they are so important. Because I know at previous jobs, I have been kind of closer friends with HR and said like had mentioned it before. And she was completely perplexed as to why that would bother me. And I thought, well, this isn't going to go anywhere because she doesn't really, you know, I don't have the time, energy and effort to pour into her understanding this. So I just kind of had to get dropped and I just had to deal with it alone. Reasons why if you don't have a black person in HR. I mean, we need some diversity. You That's should. Like a whole There's another thing. Like again, you shouldn't have even had to explain that because there should at least. Well, one, I feel like you shouldn't have had to explain it, no matter who the HR person was. But that comes back to why we need diversity, especially in feels like HR. When you have, if you're trying to have a diverse company with diverse employees, that should include HR. It should be the first. I completely agree. And even diversity and inclusion programs. I'm like, take a look at those people in those programs. Like it needs to be colorful, you know, in in every aspect. I know. It just reminds me. I know my manager, she was asking me because I was talking about a mentor and she's like, oh, are there any of like the leaders that you'd want to mentor? Which working remotely, it's really hard to know the leaders anyway. But I was kind of just like, are there any black women one? No. And then I'm like, Crickets. I mean, you know what I'm saying? So it's like, really, if I'm looking for a mentor, I would love to have one who would like get it because again, it is a little bit different. So it would be nice if we did have a black woman in senior leadership and yeah. So I don't know. We do have a black, like we do have like this black union network, which I think is really nice. I've never That's experienced great. that at any other company. I think one of, I think it was this black man and maybe someone else, but he was pretty high up in the company, I think on the tech side, but he's left literally to be an influencer. I think it's so cool. But anyways, um, so he and another person started it, which I think was really great because we have meetings, we like do different, well, they do different events. I'm, you know, I'm not really in the area, but I think that is really great that we have that because we have that space. But, you know, I think all in all, and it's honestly nice to see all the black people that we do have at the company because I wouldn't know otherwise because it is remote. So I think more companies need to implement things like that. They definitely do. It it makes such a big... I mean, I I feel like the stats, the numbers, everything for why that's so important is there. It's just whether a company actually wants to act on it. And it can be so hard to break just kind of cultural norms within companies. And I know we talked about this before, like people hire who they feel comfortable around. Like it's very natural. Like, I mean, because even I know I've hired people before. I lean more towards women because I feel like sometimes men can have when, you know, there could be more bumping heads when your woman's a manager. I've just experienced that in the past. And I've had to push myself, definitely hired men before. I've pushed myself past that because I there's this awareness for it, but I think it's, I don't know sometimes how in tune others are with the fact that we hire people that look like us and talk like us or in the same place in life as us because it's more comfortable because now we get to interact on a daily basis start with reports who are like us. And, you know, you have inviting that friction and it's not always comfortable. And a lot of people don't, they're not forced to make the choice to move past that. So they don't, if they're not making it, you know, themselves. So I, white men tend to hire other white men. I mean, like, and we can see that all of corporate. It's just kind of this pattern and chain. And, you know, I don't know that I've ever kind of been directly hired 
by like a man before. And even the job that I met now, my she's my former boss because she she left the company, but she was a woman of color. And she communicated to me that she wanted to open that door for me. It was very specific and direct. It's not by accident that we help other people join us at these levels. And now, you know, she's helped my career so much, but just having that opportunity and her giving it to me because her she connected with me in that way and wanted to give me that opportunity. That's something I'm always going to do, you know, to pay it forward. And I think we have to do that more like, you know, as women of color with other women, you know, because it gets in that same rut. And even you, when you were speaking of that story, it reminded me at my current job now, we have uh, one of the levels, like this, this wall of oil paintings of like past presidents and CEOs. And I remember when I first got hired and came to the company, you know, I was getting a tour and they walked me down this hall. Now to anybody else, I don't know that they would have had any emotions, but to me, I just remember feeling pretty uncomfortable and just very aware and kind of because it was just like older, just a full wall of these portraits of everyone who had run the company. And they were all just older white men, like starting from the beginning, like all the way to now. And I thought, you know, like this is, I mean, obviously they were very proudly like representing the presence of the past, but it's representative of like the culture. It's plain as day there. So it's just, so that's why I take so seriously helping other, you know, black women or just women of color. Like, I think everybody needs their first shot. And sometimes you need that person intentionally giving you your first shot to be able to thrive in corporate. I agree. And even just when I remember um, we got this other black woman on the team and then one of these other girls reached out to me. She's like, yes, another one of us. Like, it's so exciting to have people like in your culture be hired, especially when a lot of times we've been at companies where we might have been the only one or maybe there's one other one. So it is nice to see that. And I think that matters. I heard, I think it was on Instagram. I saw this video of, I want to say it was Viola Davis. She was talking about how it's so important to see people like, so if you want a certain position, it's so important to see people that look like you in that position because it just feels and seems that much more attainable. But like for your example, like if you were to walk down that and just see nothing but white men and say, that's your goal, you want to get to that level, it seems less attainable when you haven't seen someone who looks like you or similar to you been able to achieve it in all these years that this company has been around. That's so true. Yeah, it can be, you know, it can it can feel disheartening. It can be like, wow, is this the space where I can grow and do all the things that, that I want to do? Because culture is very intense to change, especially almost, you know, I don't want to get too into it, but things are deeply rooted in like, you know, and yeah. racism all throughout America. And to think that that doesn't touch corporate change, you know, levels is it's, you know, naive to think that. Yeah. And I think that's one thing I do like about working for a startup company. It's a little bit newer. The CEO is like mid 30s. So I feel like it is a bit more progressive. Like we do have a lot of groups. Like I said, we have our Black Union, we have one for the LGBTQ plus community and like we celebrate everything. So whenever it's, I think, AAPI month, we have women speaker come in because we actually have a well women's group too, which is um, women excel in leadership, something like that. But we have all these different groups and for any kind of like holiday or month, like a heritage month, we usually have a focus on it. Like they'll bring a speaker in to talk for Juneteenth. We have a speaker come for other heritage months. We also have speakers come. So I think that's really cool. And it's something that was very new to me. But I think that also is happening because it is a smaller company and it's run by someone a bit younger, a bit more progressive. Also, it is California-based company. So I don't know that plays into it because they tend to be more liberal. But yeah, it is really nice to see that and to see that everyone's being celebrated in that way. That is, that's amazing. That really is amazing that your company does that. I feel like it can feel like more commonplace now, but it is really something that like if a company really has that, not in a performative way, but and that they truly believe it, they truly believe in it. And they're really want everybody in the company across the board to be involved. I feel like that's, yeah, that's magical, really. I agree. It's definitely been one of the things I love about the company that I work for. But okay, so let's talk about the stripper story. <laughs> at your job not to laugh but like that was probably that's juicy juicy like in another okay this is so juicy (laughs) i again i can't believe this happened at a workplace i'm like wow that's not this is the workplace drama of all workplace dramas that i know about okay yeah you have to share because i was in shock i was like what Oh my gosh. Okay. Yeah. So this was a while ago. I'm, I'm racking my brain from my memory, but man. So at, at one of my previous companies, there was um, a new, she was like an intern that was hired and she honestly, she just appeared one day. The owner of the company, it was their friend's daughter. And so they were just letting her, I guess, you know, just kind of gave her a job. That's how it works, you know, 
as we're speaking, who you know, exposure, who you know. So she gets this job as an intern and then she's hired on in like the social media department. And so she, you know, I always thought she was nice and I was in a different department. So I kind of interacted with her rarely. But, you know, then I just remember coming to the office one day and there is like, you know, that office gossip buzz about. It's like I could barely get to my desk before someone messaged me like, what's going on? And so apparently this new girl that was hired, she was, what's the word I'm thinking of? She like moonlit as like a stripper. Like she had a whole, I don't think it, it wasn't OnlyFans. It's was, whatever was before OnlyFans. I don't know. It was that. So she had, yeah, some sort of online thing. And then she also worked at several like local strip clubs and she was promoted on her Twitter, but she had like clearly a stripper pole in her apartment. So she would like take pictures on it, like pictures, girl, and like put it on her Twitter. So of course, someone else in the social media department, and this is a PSA for anyone trying to get a job beyond social. People will be all up on your business and social media. You do not need to be friends with people that are at your job. Make sure that those lines aren't crossed because it's getting blurry present day. And so like someone got a hold of her Twitter and it went around the office like wildfire. So I remember thinking it was kind of like funny office gossip until it got to the point where like on her Twitter, there were actually like nude pictures of her because she was promoting like, you know, her stripping and all her stuff. So at that point, I kind of knew there's always a time, you know, to exit the office drama because it's going to get messy. Like it felt too messy to me. I remember getting rid of it off my computer and being like, I I don't want to be kind of wrapped up in that. There's new pictures of her. And so like at this job that I was at, there were a lot of youths, I would say like right out of college that were at this job. So it could in certain times have kind of like a high school feel to it. So yeah, this stripper Twitter is circulating. And okay, second part of this. So this whole thing is happening. And I just remember, so all of our departments shared laptops. So like each department had one laptop that they would share, take to meetings. Keep this in mind as we get later on into the story. This all goes down. So I have another friend in my department. So there's pictures like of this, uh, this these girls tweet. So aside from just her stripper stuff, she would also tweet about people in the office, like live tweet about her workday, talking about everybody in the office. So when we got a hold of her Twitter, you could see where she would be like talking about her boss. She would talk about the owner of the company and say things like, oh, the owner of the company needs a no job. She would just the craziest things. And the owner is her parents' friend. Yes. So she was talking about her appearance. I mean, nobody was safe in these tweets. Okay. It was like a literal live burn book from her like that you could, that, and she didn't know that they, they in the office and found her Twitter. So people are checking this Twitter daily to see like what, if she said anything about them and what she's saying about other people, like it's wild. And so people are screenshotting and sending these tweets all over the office. But anyway, so these are going around. So I just remember I had, I had a friend at this job and she was posting images to like clients face Facebook. I don't know. I, I forget what the client was, but just like, I think it was like a real estate client or something. So she's just putting pictures of houses and she accidentally included a picture of one of the tweets that someone had sent her like talking about something. Yes. And it got live published like, oh my God, how did she to this noticed? client's page? Probably the workload. I remember at this time we would, we would all move a mile a minute. So assuming she was just trying to get this done and she accidentally grabbed it. So this girl's tweet about somebody in the office, part of the tweet had someone in the office and part of the tweet was, I think was like promoting to come see her at like this club. So it gets posted onto a client who's paying us live on their Facebook page. And so the client saw it and rang the VP of marketing, not like the owners of the company or CEO or anything like that. And um, so she sees it. I think she explained it away by saying it was like a hack or a glitch or a bug or something. And then, you know, had to speak to like my friend in the department and get everything cleared up. But now it's gone beyond just like, right? It's like reached like a VP level of what's going on right now. So this all gets deleted. So I remember this kind of all happens in successions. These office, these laptops that our department share during the same week that this goes down, I guess she would log onto this work laptop and like had her her Twitter on there, but then she would also like, I know. So she would not only be tweeting about people, she had like another friend in the office, like this girl who came at the same time she did. These tweets were very tame compared to how these two girls would be talking about everyone else in the office. So I guess this is like the main burn book. So I guess she left her Twitter open and she left this conversation open with one of the other girls on the shared department laptop. So her boss opens up this laptop and sees her Twitter, sees all the tweets that she's made in this as well and then sees like this full live chat with her and this other girl where they are just ripping in someone printed something out went to the printer and there were pages of this conversation left over still there that were, i guess her boss printed the conversation to, to show it to um like the ceo and and left some of the papers so now there's just these papers of like these girls talking about everybody in the office it was it was so it was so high school and wild but it had the same effect quite honestly so now everybody knows that like and they were being mean talking about 
people's weight, talking about how people look, talking about just everything under the sun, just roasting into everybody saying like who needed cosmetic surgery, like who was dumb, like just all of this stuff. It's it's just so not pretty. So basically the whole, the whole situation just completely imploded because everything came to life like at the same time, even when things were kind of trying to get brushed under the rug, like everything she said, everything she said about the owners of the company, just the images, the pictures, it was, it was bad. So uh, she had a very swift exit. Um, <laughs> just her or her and the other girl. Her and the other girl. Yeah, they they both got, I think because the, the girl was actually a stripper was like the friend of a friend. I think they tried to kind of like work the situation out more than would ever happen anywhere else because of who she knew. But ultimately, like other girl she was chatting with was gone in a heartbeat. I believe they gave her the opportunity to stay, but I think she was just so embarrassed about everybody knowing about like her Twitter and seeing like the pictures of her. It was like she ended up declining the, the offer and like leaving. Um, yeah, but yeah, that was so many bridges. If you're talking that bad about people, it's going to be a hostile work environment. People are going to be making you feel uncomfortable. They're going to be looking at you and talking about you too. So hostile. And I remember she came in with this energy. I think that's why it's so important to like your work friends aren't your friends. Like, I mean, to an extent, like they can be like, there's these relationships built outside of work. Like I have several friends from past jobs because we really built true friendships like outside of work. But I, those surface level things at work, like not everybody is like, is your friend. And so drama followed her. And so I remember a couple of times, like her really like, you just seem so cool. Like I want to go get lunch with you. I want to hang out with you. But I could feel the drama vibe. And I thought I could, I can't explain it, but I could just feel that there was drama around her. And I did not want to be like included in it. I'm like, I'm here to get my paper and then head home. I don't want any, anything else. And man, was I really grateful for that decision when all that drama was going down because I was like, I could be looped in here too, but like, I'm not because like, I just want to know parts. So I think that's true too. Like careful here around it. Because they'll, they'll pull you down. Someone's either helping you grow or, or pulling you down with them. Exactly. I like what you said about, for the most part, your work friends are not your friends. I saw all this other Instagram video where this lady was talking about how a lot of times we go to work and just because we're at work so much, we'll start telling, I think she used Sally, Sally, our business and all these things. And then we're so upset when Sally goes and tells everyone in the office. But it's like, girl, Sally is not your friend. And if you don't know her character, if she is someone who is messy, like that and would do that and you tell her your business just because again you feel comfortable because you guys work together you're setting yourself up for failure like you have to get to know people you can't just tell your work friends your business unless it's something that you don't mind everyone knowing so exactly I mean, those are things to think about that is so true i've definitely learned that the hard way several times over the year that you, you can't just put your business out there or you can't just be kind of any kind of way because you don't know people. You don't know who they're going to tell. And then you don't know if in the moment they'll actually have your back or not. Like, should something arise? So. Exactly. And like, you just have to listen to the way they talk. Like, are they telling other people at work's business? Because if so, they're going to tell yours. So it's like, you know, again, like things that I would talk about here on the podcast. Yeah, I'll tell my coworkers. I don't care. But if it's something I would only tell my good friends, then I just leave that to myself. I don't bring it to work. <laughs> exactly. So no. But the, I think we're very on the same page, like with our <laughs> energies yeah. and with like horoscopes. So I'm just always, yeah, like very cautious. <laughs> very cautious. Yeah. Like find your people and all circles don't have to be big circles. I think when you have one or two people yeah. you can trust in any kind of circle, like that's all you need. You don't need like a whole parade. I agree. And even so, I don't know, have you ever had a workplace romance? Obviously before you're married, have you ever had Ooh. one? <laughs> this is so funny. <laughs> no, I don't think I've ever asked you this. I'm so shocked you're asking me this question. Because I'm like, mm, have I? I think I've had like workplace like crushes before, but like I've never had a full-blown like romance i don't advise them but they are kind of fun <laughs> it's gotta be a little bit fun right so it has to be someone who you know can keep a secret like it can't be a big mouth one but if you guys are keeping it a secret and like people kind of like suspect like oh like they kind of flirt at work but they don't know i mean you know i had a workplace <laughs> i know i was just about to like, i literally live through your workplace romance <laughs> this is so exciting like i mean i will say like at work people are like they would joke about it they would call us like work husband and work wife but then they never really thought it was true because they're like, oh, you're too good for him, which I thought was funny. Which, I mean, it was obviously true. But they were like, oh, we know true. you would never actually talk to him. It's like joke about like, oh, like so-and-so and Victoria. Because we'd always go to lunch together. Lunch. <laughs> but yeah. But I, I mean, say afternoon delight. I know. So we would go to lunch together and like at work happy hours, we would like be low-key flirting or like texting each other. So it's fun when no one else knows because it's like only you two really know. 
And well, let me ask you this. You. Did the secret ever get out? No, I don't think people know to this day because I still from that company, I still have a couple of people that like whenever I go to Texas, I'll see them and they don't know because I've never told them. And so there was this one time I went to lunch with these two girls. Um, they were outside of our department. But we were at lunch and they were literally talking about who's sleeping with who, like who's doing what with who and just all of these things. And I was like, dang, they're just out here gossiping and being so messy. So I went to him and I looked at him. I was like, if you ever, like, you better never tell anyone or it's going to be a problem. Like I made it clear like this better, like take it to your grave. Obviously, I would tell my friends outside of work, but I didn't tell anyone at work. Yeah, not even after we stopped working there. And I think that's the key, like to be able to have someone who is willing to keep it a secret. If not, your business is going to be all over the office. That's you are a master secret keeper. That to this day you visit all coworkers that they don't know. I'm gonna slip up by now. I think. I think that's again what made it so exciting, like the secrecy of it all. And it's like okay, well, like no one knows, but like come over after happy hour, like you know, stuff like that. <laughs> so I think if you do it, it has to be a well kept secret for sure. Oh my gosh, see that makes it more exciting. So excited. That's we would, like, very slacky, or not slack. I don't even know what we had at this company, but we'd like message each other on the messenger and. Like, so <laughs> I know, I know. It was just crazy. And then, you know, I feel like it also made coming into the office fun because like, oh, I'm gonna look cute today because I know he's gonna be like licking, you know. I know. I've okay, definitely been on my outbreak game for like a, a work crush. But man, say whenever I would dress up, they'd be like, oh, do you have a date tonight, Victoria? And I'd be like, oh my gosh. In my head, I was like, I'm just, you know, I just want to look cute. You, you know. know, you guys don't need to know. <laughs> but it was just so interesting when like I would hear, I think I'd get so nervous when I'd hear everyone like gossiping about like who's doing what with who. But then like I got to a point, like after a certain amount of time, it's like, well, obviously I can trust him because nobody knows. And we're kind of on the same page because he was very private, like not a social media person. And I, I'm pretty private when I want to be. So that's why. I feel like it worked out. But yeah, it was very exciting. So like I said, I don't necessarily recommend them because if it goes bad, you have to see that person all the time. And I also feel like if it's like a situationship and you see someone all the time, like you're going to be in it for so long because it's easy for them to like reel you back in because you literally see them every day, like Monday through Friday. See, that's what I was about to say. I like to say it's not so far-fetched because I feel like sometimes you're like, oh, I'm like, you see all your coworkers more than you see your family. Like it's a bizarre thing. We say it a lot, but it's like if you really, think about it it's bizarrely true I mean we see all these people at the office way more I mean by the time I get home I spend like an hour you know with my husband and go to bed versus like you know the eight to ten hours I sit with everyone at work so I mean it makes sense like you're both there it's almost like an easy easy dating situation to be honest because I would say we probably didn't even text that much during the week because we literally would see each other we would go to lunch together most of the time we would be messaging on like the messenger and it's like yeah we had any like events we all were hanging out together like I would see him then I would see that man a lot <laughs> see in a different world y'all could end up together we workplace have, you know romance gone you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it could have if only like if it was meant to be, but it wasn't. So there's that. <laughs> if but it was, was meant to be. <laughs> I feel like definitely fun for the age range I was in. I don't think I would do it now. I don't know. But it's different now because I'm like remote and I think a lot of jobs are like hybrid. So it's like a different vibe. You don't really get to know your it's coworkers true. like that. Honestly, so when I go, we're going to like we're having a company meeting for like a few days. I'm finally going to one. So that's when I'm going to meet people outside of my department. Some people I've only seen on zoom and some people i just have never met so that'll be interesting i've heard, I've heard. Oh, wow. are you excited for it i'm excited are you I'm like so, what's so, okay i'm excited i'm like i don't know what to expect because they had them last year i just didn't go so i'm really excited but i did hear that back when like they were in the office and they would have christmas parties which we have them now i just haven't gone but they were just like would tell about like oh the people who like would meet each other and you know like the office place romances so it's just really interesting i feel like remote work has definitely changed workplace like relationship that's true i hope to one day know but that's what it's like to be fully remote. But no, I will okay. say, yeah, there's definitely a shift. I'm going to do a lot of people watching because I think, like you even said with emails, like I think people can present a certain way through Zoom, through emails and Slacks. But it's like when you meet them, you kind of can really see them and like see how they are, the mannerism. So I'm excited to people watch. I will say that. <laughs> You should definitely people. I, yeah, that would be interesting for you to see how someone is. Because people, it's so funny. They can be so corporate at work and then you go to a happy hour and it's almost jarring because like they're just, well, maybe they could be a couple drinks in, but also like they're just like so different and you're like, oh, wow. Like you just, you know, I, I think I tend to do that a lot or people can be caught off guard or they first meet me like in corporate where I'm working and they think that I'm like very serious and, you know, very like, I don't know, there's a complete different, I think maybe that even leads into like code switching because I can't be a serious 
certain way at work. And then we go to a happy hour and I'm like, oh yeah, what's up? Like, oh, that's super dope. Like, yeah, that's chill. Like, oh yeah. And then people are like, like, you're so, you know, and I'm kind of like, no, like this is just me. And I don't necessarily think it's like too different, but there is a little something that you have to do. But so yeah, people can sometimes be caught off guard by me. I think like we had kind of a a work, not a, we had a coworker who comes in town from the UK. And so we all tend to hang out outside the office more when she's in town. And I remember I went to like an event with them and I just was wearing like a super oversized like Nick's hoodie and, um, you know, just had my hair up. Yeah. I had my, my, my hoe, my hoe, my hoe hoops in, (laughs) you know, you know what they say, the bigger the hoop, the bigger the hoop. I mean, did you think I was coming here at Slack's in a blouse? I'm very confused. Like we like met at like a brewery. You know what I mean? So I'm like, no, like this is just like, this is, you know, this is me. And I think I overly present a certain way because PSD from like what we just talked about, but also like other situations have happened where I feel the need to be so astutely professional and like in certain circumstances. And I'm like, of course, like that's not me when I leave. That's just not it. So most of us, we have like our workplace personality and like persona that we have to put on as professionalism. Like we can't just come in here. Like you, like you said, like we have a certain level of professionalism we have to uphold, especially at least it feels that way as a black woman and I'm sure black people in general. So no, yeah, it's true. You gotta, (laughs) gotta have a little together. So (laughs) you gotta have to, yeah, no, I'm like, if there's a, there's code switch that's gotta happen. I think, you know, my husband's fully remote. So I was asking him ironically the other day, like, do you feel like, and we were saying this because I had been working and, um, he just had called me because he he needed something and I was talking to him a certain way and he was like, oh, like you still have your cor- your corporate voice. And I was like, oh, and I was like, I'm sorry, babe. Like my bad. Like, and I just need to start talking to him like normal. And then I, he was like, oh, like, your code switching hard today, huh? And I was like, oh my goodness. It's like maybe, but then I came home and I was like, do you have to like code switch? And he was like, to be honest, not at this job, but he's like, it'll happen in the future. <laughs> you know, yeah, but. I think it does definitely depend on the environment too so oh for sure well thank you so much for coming on Brittany I feel like it's so good just to talk about these things because obviously we can go through similar things with just being black women in corporate and I think it's important to have these conversations oh no it definitely it definitely is thank you for having me on it's like so refreshing to have the conversation I feel like sometimes you can like I just can hold a lot of these things in because like I'm in a space right now a lot of the times where it is like only me you know so it's like sometimes it feels like taking like a deep breath like and finally breathing when you get to like just talk about what it feels like to be black a black woman like in these spaces so I am really glad we got to have the conversation because I think we were we were organically having this conversation like in my kitchen and then it was like turn you know it just got so big and it's like this is a really good conversation it felt so good to have so I'm glad you had me on oh yay thank you so much I love that but yeah and I just really hope that us having this conversation helps spur people on to like have those conversations with their other friends who can relate to them like I definitely would not have them in certain workspaces especially not like with HR and stuff but yeah if you have friends who are also in corporate like the next happy hour like talk about this stuff because they might need to talk about it if you feel like you need to talk about it and just like you said getting it off your chest and having the conversation with the people in your life does make it more manageable and easier to deal with oh definitely does Thank you all for tuning in to this week's episode. If you really loved the episode and you felt like it resonated with you, be sure to share the love and share the episode with a friend. Also, if you could take a minute and head to the review section wherever you listen to your podcast and leave me a review, letting me know what you're loving about these episodes and which topics you want to hear next. That way, I can make sure that I continue creating episodes that you love. Also, make sure you hit the subscribe button so that you don't miss an episode. Until next week, bye, Grown Girl Gang.